0: Equipping speakers to make an impact, it's the Key 5 Podcast, for speakers, by speakers, with your hosts, Robert Ferguson and Sarah Jo Crawford.
1: Welcome to the Key 5 Podcast. I'm Robert. And I'm Sarah Jo. Today, we're going to talk about audience engagement and, and Sarah Joe, I think there is really, this could be split into two different types. One is how you actually engage the audience in the middle of your presentation to keep them awake and engaged. And the other is more in the, I'll call it insight gathering, research, feedback, uh, that sort of thing. So how about we dive into the first type and then we'll talk about the second.
0: Yes, I'm very excited. Audience participation is Something that some speakers do really well and some speakers really struggle with. So kind of going over the options because you can be far more creative than you may think. And there's also a lot of, there's just so many options. You know, you don't have to be up there using all kinds of props in order to succeed with audience engagement. But on that note, I do want to talk about how to use props.
1: Okay you know let's uh, talk about the ideas of some of the things we've seen speakers do and i think do well one mm-hmm. is obviously they need to have good slides they need to have professional yes. slides they without uh, reading from their slides and bullets it's what you do within them some show videos uh, some have a really interesting image and their whole presentation people are just staring at that image you know waterfall <laughs> flowing over a you know i mean it's just something really cool
0: yeah and most importantly The speaker should only look back, so at their props, their props shouldn't detract from their message, right? And so definitely with slides, you know, the too much text can be an issue, but if the speaker's looking back at the slides when it's not relevant, so if they're just kind of like absentmindedly, like looking up at a slide where it doesn't require them to pay their own attention, it kind of breaks that connection. So when you're using slides as a prop, which almost all speakers do, Practicing with it, just like you would practice with a rubber chicken. Is that a terrible example? It's (laughs) a terrible example. But um, because we're not prop comics here, but using slides as you would a prop and not just a crutch or something that you just have to have there.
1: Right. You know, and maybe the best use of a a physical prop that we could think of would be a comedian, somebody like Jeff Dunham. And he's a ventriloquist (laughs) and he has these dummies. And yet he's amazing.
0: So good. Actually, have you ever watched Dimitri Martin? No, no. Oh, he's so good. He actually has a new, um, bit on Netflix, but he actually does drawings and he just has this big notepad with just drawings on it. And he just talks about them and you can tell he's practiced it a lot. Like it's not something that he's doing on a whim, but it's a really fun break from what you're used to seeing with comedians.
1: Well, I have actually, have seen a speaker who, uh, does juggling, And he mm-hmm. while he's presenting and while he's juggling, like some of the things he'll juggle are chainsaws while they're going.
0: Holy cow.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Talk about getting the blood pumping for the audience.
1: Yes. But he's talking while he does it. That's the part. It's not just juggling. <laughs> he's actually talking. So you know, if you have a skill, you know, you can leverage it.
0: And on that note, I actually love talking about facial expressions and who I would consider the king of facial expressions on stage Who's that? Jason Hewlett, Jason Hewlett, if you want to talk about props, his voice and his facial expressions, and even his like his physical dances all of that, he almost turns into a prop, but it's amazing the way he uses his facial expressions. He has this whole part of his presentation where he talks about how he practiced learning how to use his face as a kid and how that was his talent and how he used that on stage. He's very fun to watch.
1: Well, and some people just, they have this gift with their whole physical presence or facial uh, expression that they just captivate an audience. You just can't fall asleep. Yeah.
0: Yes. And that's something that can be like a natural, part of you. Like I've always just been hyper animated, but it's also something that can be learned. So if you're not particularly expressive in the face, there's so many ways you can work on that. We may not all be Jason Hewlett who can like move his eyebrows separately to (laughs) rhythm while also doing that thing with your lip where you look like you're pulling a string. Like he can do all these things at once. We don't have to be Jason Hewlett in order to use our faces to get people really excited.
1: Right. In fact, using our voice could be a great mechanism. I mean, some sing, uh, some can make strange yes. sounds. <laughs> Even if you're not a, an impressionist, you, you you can do some pretty cool stuff with it.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen people make chicken noises. I've seen people lay on the floor. I mean, a lot of people really go for it. And it can be really funny, especially if they're kind of poking fun at themselves.
1: <laughs> yeah. But let's say you don't have the gift of... Um, you know being able to juggle chainsaws or contort your face <laughs> or uh, you know you're you're not Robin Williams or or somebody who's just so famous what can we do in order to use uh, our physical presence
0: oh yeah so taking up space I love to use Marcus Sheridan as an example. He's a great speaker. He was previously known as the sales Lion. whenever I saw him speak years and years ago. Part of the reason he got the term lion is during his presentations, he gets off the stage and walks amongst the audience. So it's not one of those things where they're just handing the microphone around. Like he actually walks around, makes eye contact. There's a few people who... Found him a little bit aggressive. I thought it was invigorating. You know, you're watching him walk around. You're you're unsure where he's going to go next. Um, he was very commanding, and it was a different, ex, just a different vibe than you know. He's up on the stage and separate from us. He used physical space to get us all participating. You never know if he was going to come to you. He wasn't necessarily going with like raise your hand. He was just walking up to. People. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. It, it's. He did a really good job of like breaking it up and standing out that way.
1: And I love that idea. so it's really the idea that you're using all of the space without looking like you're pacing or that you're yes. nervous. You have to be, um, it's, it's almost going to the one-on-one within a group, right?
0: Yes. And I actually feel bad whenever I watch a TEDx or a TED talk, cause they're stuck in that red oh, yes, circle. Yes. Um, and they tend to like, especially those who typically use space on stage to enforce their message, they kind of end up rocking foot to foot or side to side, because <laughs> you can tell they're like a little caged animal. Or I mean, on that note, I've seen people who feel the natural desire to like move around stage or walk from side to side, but because of, you know, maybe someone told them that speakers stand tall and stay in one place approximately, they, they do look like a caged animal and you can see kind of the anxiety of like, they're wanting to move. So if you have that natural energy to move across the stage, don't go crazy with it, but if you Or making a point, maybe move to the left. Or if you're going over a timeline, move from the left to the right. Janine Shepard has this really great story about, um, she was an Olympic skier and got hit by a truck. And so she goes through her whole, the whole story moving from chair. There's like six chairs on the stage. She moves from chair to chair to chair. So she creates this visual experience by using the space. Um, so she doesn't have to remind them like we're on part three of my story. They can just see like, Oh, this, is you know we're in the middle and we're moving forward so she doesn't kind of keep herself to the one spot of the stage
1: You know, the key thing for me as a professional speaker, you're so focused on your presentation, but if you can get to the point, you know, your content, you even know how to deliver it in a way that's captivating. The next Mm -hmm. stage to me is what I would call choreographing your presentation that Mm. you're, you're going to move deliberately or lean forward. You're going to go to this side of the stage. And it is about choreography uh, and thinking of it and having somebody even watch and film of yourself to, to see, okay, that I need to move differently here.
0: I actually really love that I did show choir in high school because singing and moving and changing positions while looking at peace about the whole situation has really helped me. Because people, I really feel like, unless you're in the public speaking industry, there's kind of this idea that like, oh, they just get to get up there and talk, right? Exactly. But there's so much... You know, if it's an hour long, like I used to be like, oh, it's only 60 minutes to speak. And I'm like, oh, my God, 60 full minutes. That's a lot of work. (laughs) That's going to be a lot of, you know, figuring stuff out and practicing. And it's it's truly incredible the way so many speakers have taken, you know, audience participation, something that's so nuanced and that you think that might just, you know, that's just, you know, a a byproduct of a good speech. Like, no, you've got to figure that out, too. Right.
1: Well, at the end of the day, I think this sort of first segment we're talking about here is um, getting emotional involvement with your audience. But mm-hmm. the other type of audience, uh, audience engagement is really you're trying to understand what's in their brain. What what are they thinking? And so what what are some ways you think we can find out what they're thinking?
0: Ooh, okay. So I've seen this in the past year or two. It's called Catchbox, but it's basically this soft like cube, but it's a microphone. And I think it's got, yeah, it's got handles on, you know, like soft handles. And basically what happens is if you're having audience, your audience members ask questions, instead of that typical delay where the microphone gets moved around or you've got people yelling, you just throw it around. So <laughs> it, and it's, it almost becomes its own fun thing where people have to toss it across or kind of like a beach ball scenario where it's making its trip across, but it, it kind of becomes its own fun experience is using a catch box. So if you haven't seen one of those, but a great um, idea. Ask your- yeah. Either ask your event space if you have them. Sometimes conferences will go ahead and all the speakers can use them. Or you can get your own if it's something that maybe that's a sticking point in your speech is getting the questions in. That's a great way to do that. And it's technology and technology is fun.
1: A throwable microphone. I love it. Yep. <laughs> catch the box. Okay. So that when you're in the middle of your presentation and you want to, hey, what do you think of this idea? Somebody have a thought, throw out the catch, you know, the catch box and they'll, they'll give you feedback as long as they don't take over your presentation.
0: That is always a risk.
1: Yeah. So um sometimes people will do live polling uh mm. where they'll and I think in a couple episodes ago we talked about this that poll everywhere, presentane, um Mentimeter. There's a whole bunch um ask the room that you can mm-hmm. e- engage your audience on their smartphone or other mechanisms to be able to say, Hey, how many think this? And then boom, it's like okay, forty-three percent agree, you know, they're <laughs> with this poll. Yes, point.
0: that is so highly engaging. And for those of you that are hesitant to use tech, or you're kind of like, ah, I'm going to mess this up. The more I've researched these for various speakers and so on, there's so many different niche polling. So there's like teacher polling and financial polling and the kind of polls that embed in your PowerPoint, there's, there's so many cool ways that you can get, they don't necessarily have to download an app. You don't, it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, using those, if you're, if you've been hesitant or you'd really like to just know, like there are so many and they've gotten so easy to use.
1: And it's just about practicing to work with the technology. You're right. But you know, mm-hmm. one of the things that, uh, Sarah, Joe, that is important is you don't have to have, you could get the audience ideas, what's in their brain before your presentation.
0: Yes, I've actually seen this happen. It was kind of fun. Um, A speaker friend of mine, she was speaking to, I believe it was sales, a sales organization, or an organization. She was speaking to all their sales people. And she actually went out and talked to their clients. She got permission, of course, and went and talked to their clients and pulled the clients. And during the speech, she was like, okay, so what do you think? um your client satisfaction rating is and they all vote, are either voted or raised their hands or and then she showed them she's like this is what your clients actually like about you and this is why they keep coming back or this is what their satisfaction is and it was kind of this cool she didn't she didn't use it to humiliate them or make them feel bad i feel like that's important to not be like, everyone's stupid, congratulations, 100% of you are idiots. She did a really good job making it a positive experience, but it not only engaged them, but showed them, like, she's fully invested. This isn't a canned speech. This isn't something she just copied and pasted. Like, she spent the time... Yeah. Getting to know their clients. And that was a really powerful way to engage everyone in the room.
1: I, I've seen this in two ways, uh, Sarah Joe. One is, you know, you, you have a bunch of employees and you've done a pre-survey, so you can actually give them feedback about the group that's in the room. But an opportunity for some consulting is to, as you've said, talk mm-hmm. to their clients, gather some information. So now you're adding value to the group in the room to say, here's what others are saying about you. So you really have an opportunity to engage through some research work.
0: Absolutely. And you can kind of give them a pulse on their own organization. I spoke about mental health for a little while. And one of the surveys was how many of you, either you have been affected by mental illness or someone you love. And then the follow-up question was, did you feel prepared or capable of assisting them? And those statistics really shocked them. It was like 95% knew somebody or they've struggled and like only 30% knew how to help. And so they, they got an idea of like, Oh, they're not alone in being confused. Like it was, it was a powerful way of showing them like, this is your health. Um, and then here's my solution.
1: Yeah. Key data can be very powerful to sort of really captivate, um, and engage the audience. What, what about after the presentations?
0: Oh my goodness. You better be on social media. And if you are one of those people that you know, hangs out afterwards and has, you know, that whole line of people standing up and talking to you, you can even get an assistant or somebody to kind of step in for you doing retweets. I wouldn't recommend an assistant like responding as you too often because that can kind of become disingenuous if you're standing right there and tweeting back. At, if you're standing there talking to them and they're also getting notifications, you're tweeting. <laughs> That's not great. But um, making sure that, you know, you've got tweets going out, you're ready to respond, um, getting all of that ready you can even, and this kind of hails back to the live audience polling, but I've seen people do, it's kind of like a tweet polling, free giveaway audience, like capture combo where you texted this number, um, say, okay, so text free to this number. And then they instantly got, okay, now what's your email? And they had to type in their email and then, it sent them this free guide he was talking about. Mm -hmm. So he got their email and their phone number, and then they got this really, really awesome. It wasn't some crap, you know, phoned it in ebook. It was a really, really useful thing. And he also gave them like free access to stuff. Like he was just throwing stuff at them. And then they were able to tweet about it and get other people like, Hey, if you missed this, this is what I tweeted. And I got this stuff. And so afterwards he was able to thank them. Like it was this kind of became this whole campaign that took his speech from the stage that took all that engagement he was getting when he was, you know, in the spotlight and took it off stage and when they went home and when they were at work next week, he just like put a little bug in their brain and he's like, I'm with you forever now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, one of the other ways is uh, people, especially if you're at a conference where it's a user's conference or they, they, it's a chance for them to get together, uh, take photos, take photos of them, photos Mm -hmm. with you, put it on Instagram. And it's almost a way to keep it alive. Oh, I remember that conference and there. So-and-so, and and we were together with such and such you, the speaker. And it's very good to uh, keep it alive afterwards.
0: Yeah, and just a little recommendation here. It becomes a little bit stale across the speaking industry when people, you know, speakers will be like, I was so honored to speak at blah, blah, blah. That's kind of become a canned tweet or canned Instagram. I would strongly urge, and I've experimented with this, not only with myself, but with some of my clients, is doing, instead of saying, like, I was honored for me to speak, so talking about them, tell a story. I mean, especially on Instagram, you have the space. On Twitter, you can do a thread, but say you know, this and such person came forward and had this, this was their story and it was so powerful, you know, make them, we've talked about it, make them the hero of the story. It can really break up a feed that's, they don't mean to, because when you're saying I was honored, you typically mean like. You were honored to be the person on stage. But once again, that's all about you.
1: Yeah. And that takes some thought to move it away from you and about the audience. Absolutely. And
0: it gets people engaged because their story was there. You know, they're not just going to share it just like they're not just sharing it because their photos in there, but like their their stories there and you, you increase your likelihood of being shared when you focus on the person in the photo.
1: Absolutely. So to me, Sarah Joe, I think audience engagement is about planning, planning ahead what information you might be able to obtain and share, planning ahead of how you want to engage while you're in your presentation, and then planning ahead of what you want to do to keep the momentum going afterwards, either additional information or even just sharing about the event. It just takes some planning.
0: I just feel like everything we talk about is planning, and I've got a speech coming up, and I don't know about you, but I tend to procrastinate with speeches because I'm like, oh, I want to get it right, so I'm just not going to work on it. <laughs> so I this is yeah. all, like, <laughs> causing me dread. I've still got plenty of time, but it's still in the back of my brain, like, pay attention to me. Plan for me. You've got so many ideas. You've got to actually sit down and get them prepared.
1: Well, and I think this is in order to even win some of the speaking gigs uh, with meeting planners, it is about the thought process of what can I do to add value in a different way or in a new way mm-hmm. that other speakers aren't going to do. And it, it really is just thinking through So who the, the inside of who's the organization. As you were talking about mental health, understanding, well, what's a data point that's going to really move them? Or is there mm-hmm. something about this group or audience that is just, um, in your presentation will be unique. And otherwise you just are delivering a canned presentation. So that's really Mm -hmm. the planning is just looking at your audience and saying, what can I do that would add value to them?
0: Absolutely. Something I've done. And I've seen a lot of speakers do with great success is on their website. They'll do. Okay. So sarahjoecrawford.com slash the name of the company I'm speaking with. So it's easy for them to find. Yeah. And then, so on that page, you can put your slides and you can, you can even password protect it if you really want to. I don't typically see that as necessary, but put all there, you know, I mentioned an ebook, everything I mentioned is going to be on this page, um, in order to download stuff. Maybe you ask for their email address, but it makes them feel really, really catered to and special. And you're not just sending them on a wild goose chase when they get on your website.
1: Love it. Well, I think we should, uh, turn to an expert and hear what they have to say about this topic. What do you
0: think? I'm so excited. I love hearing about creativity in the wild.
1: Let's do it. Our guest today is Anton Gunn, a best-selling author, speaker, and entrepreneur who has worked with five U.S. presidents. He has now become the number one authority on presidential leadership in the healthcare environment. And as a busy speaker on the road, today we're going to talk about audience engagement. Welcome, Anton.
2: Thank you very much, Robert. Happy to be with you.
1: Great. So, you know, I mean, you speak all over the place. You have a great agenda that you're just on the road all the time. But so when you're speaking, what what are, what are some things you do to try and engage your
2: audience? Uh, that's a fantastic question. Um, I think it's very important to engage an audience. And uh, the reason why I say that my audience tends to be, you know, high level executives Business owners, CEOs, people who work in hospitals and healthcare organizations, and many times they work in a very structured environment. There's not a lot of energy or mm-hmm, engagement on the day-to-day basis. There's high-level decisions to be made, but nonetheless, um, when they come to my sessions or they come to my meetings, they're expecting someone to stand in front of them and give them, you know, two thousand PowerPoint slides that's full of. 57,000 words (laughs) on the slide. And um, I'm not going to give you that. And the reason why I'm not going to give you that, because that's what you expect to get every time that you're at an event Mm -hmm. or every time you're at a meeting. So what I try to do is be the complete opposite. So one of the things that I try to do to engage the audience is to not use PowerPoint slides at all. Now, I know some people say that that's, that's crazy. Why would you do a presentation and not use PowerPoint slides at all? Well, when you use slides, people expect PowerPoint so much. When they expect presentation slides so much, they tend to focus what's on the screen and not focus on what you say. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I want you to do when I get up in front of the room is that I want you to focus on me, engage with me, because I'm going to deliver value to you and valuable content. And the slides can be secondary. So Who I am as a person and what I share with you is more important than the words that are on the screen. So the first way that I do that is I really try to inspire people to move their bodies from a place of where they've uh, been sitting since before I walked in the room. So one example that I do is that um, I always try to get people to stand up in their seats or out of their seats or I get them to hold their hands up in the air and to make some level of movement. And so I usually do this through my intro. So sometimes I'll walk into a room and I'll tell the entire room, hey, uh, I need everybody to do me a favor before I get started in my presentation. I need you to hold your hands up in the air over your head. And I'll literally wait till the entire room holds both hands up over the head. I don't care if they have a fork in their hand, or drinking coffee. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'll wait for them to put the fork down, put the coffee down on the table and hold their hands up in the air, just like they're being arrested and the police says, get your hands up. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Once great. they hold their hands up in the air, I'll say, okay, now I need everybody to shake your hands like this. And I'll start moving my hands back and forth like I'm doing jazz hands, you know, at a jazz concert. And when everybody's shaking their hands, I'll say, okay, stop. I just wanted to shake hands with everybody in this room. <laughs> the crowd goes crazy. So at that moment in time, I've captured everybody's attention. Okay. because It was something that they did not expect, that they did not know was going to happen. And so that's one of some of the things that I do to try to engage the audience is don't use slides and to try to get people to move their bodies in some way that they're not expecting to.
1: Love it. So, I I love the fact that you know that PowerPoint's not the default. That's great. You are. Uh, Do you ever use props? Do you ever bring anything on stage, a water bottle or something else that you use to engage them?
2: Well, uh, sometimes I I use props um, to really engage people. So, it depends on the side of the group. When I'm doing leadership training, and let's say I got a group of 25 to 30, and I'm doing a smaller group presentation. Sometimes I'll bring a mini football or a mini basketballs, kind of like a Nerf football or basketball, something mm-hmm. small that you can squeeze in your hands um, that you can toss to people. So sometimes I'll ask questions. Can you tell me, can you name the, the nine presidents who have one syllable names? Uh, because a lot of my topics are focused on leadership and I use the theme of presidential leadership as a theme. So I ask people, can you name the nine presidents um, that have one-syllable names? And Mm -hmm. anybody that gets it right, I may toss the Nerf ball and say, you won a prize. So Mm -hmm. it's a little, you know, 50-cent Nerf ball that I've tossed to someone and Mm -hmm. it's not hard to catch. And if you don't catch it and it hits you in the face, it's not going to injure you in any kind of way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, I'll toss footballs around. And the reason why I toss football is because I'm a former college football player. So it's kind of thematic of what I use. And so I'll do that every now and then is toss a football. Sometimes what I'll do in terms of a prop is I'll use people as a prop in my presentation. So I may get an audience to come out of the audience and come on stage with me or come to the front of the room. And I use them as a prop in one of my stories. Uh, Some of my background is that I worked for President Barack Obama for three and a half years, and I tell lots of stories about leadership encounters that I've had um, with him as president. And so I might bring somebody up and have them be the prop of Barack Obama as I'm telling my story about presidential leadership. So that's how I use props in my presentations.
1: Brilliant. I love that. Now, I've seen you present, and you're a big guy. I mean, how, how tall are you?
2: I'm six foot four, almost six five.
1: <laughs> so, how do you use your voice, your whole body, or even the space around you to really better engage with your audience?
2: Uh, you have to use everything at your availability if you want to have maximum engagement with your audience. I've seen some speakers who will stand behind a podium, or I see speakers who will hold a handheld microphone, and some speakers who might stand in the center of the stage and give their whole 30, 40, 50, 60 minute presentation standing in the center of the stage. That's wasted opportunity. I never use a podium. I never use a microphone because I don't want anything to get in between me and my audience. So podium is gets between you and the audience. Mm-hmm. A microphone forces you to hold something in your hand and you can't make all of your hand gestures and, and be full. So as a speaker, I have to use my whole body. I use all my fingers. All my toes, the full person of me, and I cover the entire stage in a presentation. So if my stage is three by nine, I'm going to walk three feet uh, front and back, and I'm going to walk nine feet left and right. If my stage is 10 by 12, I'm going to walk 10 feet uh, front and back, and I'm going to use 12 feet left to right. And so I'm going to use everything on that stage to engage the audience. And so the point of it is, when you walk to the different corners of the stage, you focus on a different member of the audience. So I find a person at each point on the stage or in the audience, if you will, and try to make an individual connection. Mm. And your voice is very important because uh, the the most famous quote I've heard from any speaker is, The sameness is the death of any speaker. And what do they mean sameness? If you're talking at a monotone and you don't have any inflection in your voice, if you don't have your high voice, you don't have your low voice, if you don't whisper and if you don't yell of some sort during the presentation, you've wasted the opportunity to connect with all of the emotions that a person may have or all of the senses that a person may have. So my context is is that sometimes I'm giving a presentation And then I'll get really, really quiet and tell (laughs) a deep, important story. And then I'll change up and I'll tell you why this thing mattered. So you got to use your voice, your whole body and the entire stage to engage people, because that that contrast is what keeps people interested, because sometimes people will tune you out. If you Mm -hmm. stand in the same spot, if you speak at the same tone, if you don't move around, People will listen for about four or five minutes, but we know the adult tension span lasts no more than about three and a half minutes in our new social media age. So you have to change up your voice, your location, and how you use your body in your presentations to keep people captured.
1: Fantastic. Very powerful. I love the way you do that. So let me ask you this, Anton, um, part of engagement, which is today's topic is not just in the presentation. Sometimes it's before or after. Have you um, ever tried to do something before the presentation and then also afterwards, what do you do as follow up?
2: Yeah. So um, I will tell you the first thing is um, I don't, uh, the only way I engage audiences before the presentation is I have a very detailed process Um, pre-event. So I speak with the meeting planner to get a full scope and scale of what the event is about. I also talk to um, board members or executives of the organization to get their expectations. I really want to understand your organization, your industry, your challenges. So I have a very detailed pre-event process that gives me the backstory of your company. Why you want me there is one reason. Um, but there is always a backstory. So I try to get that backstory because it helps me to understand what I need to do. And so when I do my presentation, I really want to use that backstory, use those stories from your executives and the meeting planner to help make sure my presentation is tailored to your needs. Mm -hmm. And then after the presentation, uh, what I like to try to make sure I do from the stage is to allow people to connect with me. So I share, uh, if if I only put one PowerPoint slide up the one slide will be a slide with all of my contact information, how you can sign up for my email list, how you can connect with me on social media. And I also sometimes offer a leadership assessment. So I'll put a leadership assessment on the screen that says, um, you want to learn more about your leadership capabilities, what type of leader you may be, how you line up against um, five different presidential profiles. Uh, complete my survey at antonguncom slash leadership quiz and it'll give you a result. And that's how I kind of engage with people. And then, of course, I always follow up with the meeting planner and give them a thank you note for bringing me in as a speaker. And also um, sometimes I send a thank you gift that uh, kind of matches the flavor of who I am as a person. So it, it could vary.
1: Brilliant. I love that. Well, Anton, as we uh, wrap up here, is there one piece of advice you would uh, give to speakers on how to better engage with their audience? What would you say?
2: My one piece of advice for every speaker, if you want to learn how to better engage your audience, do stand-up comedy. (laughs) Why is that? (laughs) Well, if you think about it, uh, every stand-up comic that you've seen successful, you can take Chris Rock, you can take Eddie Murphy, uh, Dave Chappelle, any of the great ones that you may know, um, they all have tremendous audience engagement. And if you really want to learn how to engage an audience, watch a standup comic, watch how they tell jokes, watch how they engage the audience and, and the things that they connect with. Uh, watching stand-up comics uh, has been one of the most important aspects of the growth of my business is really getting people to laugh. Some people say that it doesn't matter how serious your topic is as a speaker, you should get your audience to laugh every 90 seconds. Now, I think that's a little bit too aggressive, Mm -hmm. but if you can get your audience to laugh every two minutes or every three minutes because of something that you say or may do that connects with them in a way, it will make the presentation much more engaging because people want to feel every emotion when they sit in a presentation. If you think about a movie, I don't care what the movie is, you feel every emotion in the movie. The most serious and the darkest movies have some point in the movie where you may laugh, that you Mm -hmm. may cry. Mm-hmm. That you may feel inspired or you may feel down. So the context is you got to take people on an emotional roller coaster as a speaker. That's how you get maximum engagement.
1: Wonderful. Anton, really appreciate what you've shared here today. Thank you. And if folks want to learn more about you, how do they do that?
2: Great. If you want to learn more about me, you can definitely find me at antongun.com That's where you can find me. You can join my email list. You can get on my blog. Um, you can visit with me in all of my social media platforms. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. LinkedIn is where I spend most of my time and I do my most engagement. Uh, that's where my audience is, people who want to grow themselves professionally. So you can reach me on all those channels.
1: Fabulous. Thanks so much, Anton. Thank you. There's some brilliant guidance for all professional speakers to better engage their audiences. Well, that's the end of Season 3 of our Key 5 Podcast. We'll let you know when future episodes become available. Of course, you can listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests by going to key5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number 5, podcast.com. So go to key5podcast.com today
0: for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For more, go to key podcastcom
1: Hey, if you're still listening, thanks for sticking around. I have one quick request. If you like the show, it would mean a whole lot if you left a review over in the iTunes store. This actually helps others find the show. So thanks in advance, and I'll talk to you next time.